listening to the IELTS podcast. Learn from tutors and ex-examiners who are masters of IELTS preparation. Your host, Ben Worthington. How to score band 8 in IELTS. In this tutorial, we are going to look at what skills you need. We're going to look at this, uh, successful ways to improve your English. We're going to look at exam techniques. And we're going to look at getting feedback on your work and getting expert advice. And joining me on today's podcast is Daphne. How are you today, Daphne? Hi, Ben. Hi, everyone. I'm really well, thank you. And I'm really glad we're going to talk about this because that date is very, very unusual. Um, and and the, all the essays I've been correcting, there's been a few which are fantastic, but it is super hard to get. So I really hope this will help those of you who aspire towards a band eight to really get some useful advice and um, to achieve that. Absolutely, absolutely. When I started, <clears throat> when I started out uh, t preparing students for IELTS, I mean, I was working in Spain as an English teacher, and there were a lot of students coming to me and saying, oh, I need to get band seven, I need to get band seven for IELTS. And I was like, what is what is this with band seven? And then when I got stuck into it and I started interviewing all these experts, I was like, wow, this is quite tricky. And it is it's, uh, so frustrating. So this is only emphasized when you're going for band eight because it's basically C2 level, which is yeah. uh, with the... Cambridge Common European Framework for Languages, then it's, it basically equates to C2, which is an extremely high level, and, ex and it shows an extremely high level of competence with the English yeah. language as well. So um, let's go. What are the minimum scores you need in the tests to get a band eight Okay, so the listening and the reading is the easiest one to talk about first, because that is based on raw scores. Literally, mm. how many marks do you get out of 40? 40 is the number of questions for both the listening and the reading. And for band eight, you need to score at least 36 correct answers out of 40. Mm -hmm. uh, so 36 out of 40. For listening and reading and then speaking and writing as ben said you are writing at proficiency level so your speaking and writing need to be practically error free mm -hmm. and this is uh this is not easy this is not easy because at this level to start improving it becomes incredibly more difficult and because you've probably been learning uh the language for a while you might not even be aware of some of your mistakes so this is why it gets much more difficult and we can improve our well we can get to band eight by working basically as i said before working on language skills and exam skills but the difference here is that if a student is around for example six six point five with some solid exam skills they can sometimes or quite often get nudged into a band seven i mean the language skills obviously need to be improved too but if they've got what i'm saying is that it's easier to get the scores uh for band seven with exam skills and okay language skills the exams the difference in exam skills can make the diff can improve your score that's what i'm saying especially for the writing yeah. whereas with the band eight you need to have mo both of these sort of like at the best possible at a very high level you can't mm -hmm. you can't wing it or you can't rely on exam skills to, to get that band improvement that's what i'm trying to say 
Yeah, you need accuracy and you need fluency um, and that you need to be very, very confident, as you say, in your grammar, um, which will show in your writing and in your speaking and the range of depth of vocabulary. For me, vocabulary is a really big differential. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you, for band seven, absolutely, you can have great vocab, but for band eight, your vocabulary, vocabulary will be like a whole nother level, really, won't it? Exactly, exactly. And when you're writing and when you're speaking... It's practically error-free, as we were saying before. And this is why, if you're going for this level, I would strongly recommend getting feedback. Because, as we said, at this level, you to get those minor improvements, it takes a lot of... Um, it takes a, a very sort of like precise level of tuning so to speak because you're unaware it sounds natural to you because you've been learning english so long you've been using english and it, a lot of the time these fossilized these errors become fossilized and they go they totally go sort of like missed They're, they go unaware so what other steps um student could take well, I think partly to do with what you were just saying, Ben, I think the most important thing is be very aware of your strengths, which you probably are, but also be very aware of your weaknesses. Mm. And I think this is more difficult to know unless you are getting feedback. If you get feedback from someone, they can say to you, okay, this is fantastic, I love this, but actually stylistically, you should be avoiding that. Um, a particular thing with me, just quickly on the writings, when people say, we should do this, we should do this, we should do that. I don't like having we in these essays. Make it business-like. Who are these people? Talk about business experts or mm. company owners rather than we or they. Absolutely. But just, yeah. be, just it's to do with being more specific. So knowing your level is also really important. Mm-hmm. Um, do a practice test. Uh, do, do a mock test. Do something to get some feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're getting feedback, then follow the plan. Uh, listen to the feedback that you're getting as well. That's important. Absolutely, yeah. And um, just going back to the point of feedback, you could get a native English speaker to review your work, but they are not going to point out the like. For example, what Daphne just said: if you be, if you if you are writing like, uh, we believe climate change is a very common issue, and to solve this, we need to uh, introduce taxes um, across all carbon-based pollution uh, carbon-based industries and so on and so forth if you're writing like this a native english speaker who's not trained in ielts will probably not spot it because it sounds grammatically fine um the vocabulary is there and it just sounds natural but that's we're not writing uh we're not going for natural writing we're going for academic and this is like the next level up so it's better to get your work reviewed by experts who know this exam um inside out back to front and who are correcting essays day in day out like basically like like us and there's lots of services out there um but yeah you want to go with somebody who's specializing in ielts not just a average normal native english speaker they can give you some feedback but it's not going to be so specific and likewise at the language academy or the language school you want somebody who's got experience with ielts and who really understands academic writing absolutely um yeah so moving on we've got uh, listening and for the listening as we were saying in a previous podcast to get a band eight you need to be at least uh, for the general task getting 38 
out of uh, 40 and then for the academic at least 35 out of the 40 to get that band eight yeah and listening is tough um, listening, and it was interesting thinking about what you have to do when you're listening. You're doing a lot of multitasking. Mm. You have to read the questions, and then you have to listen, and then you have to note down your answer. So these questions test your ability to grasp not only the kind of general meaning, but the factual detail, and as well as that, the speaker's attitudes and opinions. So there's an awful lot going on when you're listening, mm -hmm. and you're listening for various things. So, for example, if your level at the moment is a six or a seven in listening, uh, to reach a band eight, you're going to have to do quite a lot of specific things. I really like this advice, Ben. Do you want to run through the, the advice here? Um, yeah, before I share that advice, I just want to mention that um, if you've been living in an English-speaking country or you've got a high level of English already, do not confuse that or do not equate that to a high band score in the IELTS exam because fair enough you might understand everything perfectly first time however for the exam you need exam skills and this is what Daphne was saying um, you need to be able to sort of like the multitask coordinate the listening and the writing and this is completely different um, not completely different but it's slightly different when you're doing it on the computer as well so not only do you need to learn it um, if you're doing the paper-based but you need to learn it spe specifically if you're doing the computer-based test because it's slightly different again a slightly different set of skills that you yeah. want to get familiar with um, so as oops, so as not to really um, impact your true listening grade so uh, yeah um, the things you could do to get this uh, to improve your listening skill is probably about 15 to 20 minutes a day go for something that interests you you know you don't have to be doing exam listening tests day in day out you can also you know if you've got a profound interest in the premier league and also listen to podcasts <laughs> about the, the premier league also though if you are doing the academic one i would suggest listening to scientific um podcasts or TED Talks. I mean, TED Talks might be a bit too casual, but you could definitely find podcasts about machine learning, about biology, yeah. about all these different um, specific subjects. And also, I always recommend uh, transcribing as well, because this develops one of those exam skills we were talking about before, about Good being able to listen, yeah. listen and write. And plus, um, if you're listening to a podcast that comes with a transcription, you can always compare them afterwards. By the way, our podcasts in the podcast app, they always come with the transcription. And on the site, you can get the transcription as well. So you can compare uh, what you're hearing with what you're listening. And this is a great way to improve your vocabulary because the first time you learn a new term, you're going to be hearing the correct pronunci pronunciation first time <laughs> rather than re uh, reading it first time um, and guessing the pronunciation. And I like that. And I like the idea of, as you say, noting things down, so writing it down, but also paraphrasing. So once you've written it down, you can kind of test yourself by paraphrasing, mm -hmm. writing it in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, so you're starting off just with two or three minutes almost and then writing down a different version of it. Or what did that mean? Or summarizing something. Um, so you're just building on different skills, but it's quite nice, as Ben said, to 
broaden your perspective. So not just always um, be doing mock tests, but just uh, listen to different things as well. Exactly, exactly. And then for the actual test itself, um, I know a lot of students um, that have said, well, that it's basically sort of like a test of concentration. You know, if you've got the concentration skills and the endurance um, to, to sort of like hang in there for the full extent of the time, then it's you're going to increase your chances of success considerably. I think it was Vinod a while back was talking about how he meditated to improve his concentration. Another student wow. told, yeah, another student told me that she was doing breathing exercises just to get uh, her heart rate down so she could um, improve her level of concentration. So, yeah, and also going back to what uh, Daphne was saying, uh, these many questions in the test are based on synonyms. So if you've got a high level of uh, paraphrasing ability, then it's going to make it much easier. So we'll just give you a very quick example here. Um, mm -hmm. We've got this listening exercise, and the question is, obviously you're listening to two speakers, Carla and Rob, which will be played by Daphne and Ben in this my version. Acting, my acting debut, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the question is, Carla and Rob were surprised to learn that coastal cities, A, contain nearly half the world's population, B, includes most of the world's largest cities, C, are growing twice as fast as the other cities. Um, so let's jump into it. I will be Rob and I start. Yeah. And cities are growing so quickly. I mean, we know that more than half the world's population lives in cities now. Yeah, and that's all cities, not just the ones on the coast. But most of the biggest cities are actually built by the sea. I did not realise that before. Nor me. Okay, so as you can see here, uh, for this multiple choice question, I'll just go through it again. Um, Carol and Rob were surprised to learn that coastal cities A, contain nearly half the world's population, B, include most of the world's largest cities, and C, are growing twice as fast as the other cities. So uh, what would you say with the answer there? Thank you for throwing that one on me, Ben. <laughs> um, the answer is B, uh, and the reason we know that is that we're looking for these synonyms. So we're looking for, in the question it says, the world's largest cities, this is for B, and in the text, or in the reading, rather, the listening, sorry, we've heard most of the biggest cities. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got this in the question, they were surprised to learn, and then she says, Carla, I'd not realised that before. So that's your clue, that she's surprised, and then the other way, the paraphrasing is, I'd not realised that before. Excellent. So, they're not going to give you the answer, obviously, as ob they're not going to make it obvious, but this is a really good way to look out for it. And uh, that takes practice, as Ben's saying. Definitely, definitely. I think it was Vinod who was saying that he was doing basically a listening test every single day. Um, oh. of, and I think he even did a reading test every single day as well. So it's, it's not just a matter of having great uh, listening skills. It's also a a whole array of exam skills that you need to develop and improve as well. So, moving on to the reading. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, 
Yeah. I was just going to say for this, um, I think some of the best advice that I've ever sort of given, and I got feedback from the students as well who said that that is working, is basically identify the ones where you lose points. So you do the reading test and then you find out where specifically you're losing points and then work on those specific ones rather than doing the entire test again and again, uh, or different tests again and again. You just focus on the specific questions where you're losing points. Absolutely. I just reminded me of a lovely student, um, Angelica in Africa, and she had such a, a focused method of dealing with the reading. She had, literally, it was for three days she was going to work on the uh, yes-no questions, or and then for another time she was going to work on the multiple choice, and then she was going to work on the flow diagram when you had to fill in the gap. I mean, she absolutely mastered every type of question um, and really understood that the different questions needed different skills and different different techniques. Um, and I thought she did very well. And I thought that was just that um, understanding what was needed, really, and then addressing that, I thought was a really good way to work. Exactly. It's like we were saying um, in previous tutorials that, you know, the students who will succeed are the ones who have got a clear plan and who are working that exact plan and just focusing in that ex um, on implementing that plan and following through day in day out um in, from my experience those are the most successful types of students so mm -hmm. um, another point with the reading um, especially if you're going for band eight is to get a clear and indomitable grip of uh yeah grasp of uh the passive if you can know if you know this then this will definitely help you because the passive can be quite misleading um, yeah. and it can be quite difficult to follow who is doing what to who um, and especially under exam conditions yeah so there's an example that we've got here um, this is a yes no not given question and the not given ones are, i think people find very very hard because mm. it's tempting to put in your own answer or make up an answer for maybe what you know already mm -hmm. um, and there's an instruction obviously if there's no mention of it it is not given um mm -hmm. let, let's have got another example here haven't we this is also from cambridge um ielts academic 14 and yeah. question 35 uh it says staff should be allowed to choose when they take breaks during the working day. Mm -hmm. And the text states that working conditions would improve if, quote, certain actions were adopted, allowing adequate breaks during the working day. So, as Ben said, use of the passive construction. So, if certain actions were adopted, there's your past passive, is different than staff should be allowed to choose. So it is not given is the correct answer for this because we don't know about the staff, but we do know that some action may be taken or might be taken by management. So you've got this passive idea of it being somebody else and that that would give the staff the breaks rather than the staff themselves being in control. So it's it's a grammar awareness, this, Ben, I think, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And this is why it's uh, definitely worth just getting to grips with not only the test format, but the grammar constructions, especially the passive, and learning the question formats as well. And you'll do this by doing tests day in, day out, 
and just getting because the this is kind of a, a trick where they kind of mislead you with the passive and you need to be able to identify all the different sort of like styles of questions or even if you want to be a little bit facetious you could say the different styles of misleading the test taker or oh, yeah. separating the band eights from the band sevens uh, absolutely and yeah and quick one on that i think as much as you're identifying when you're doing your practice you're identifying the right answer you're also identifying why the other answers are wrong mm-hmm. and that's a great way to start getting your band eight and uh, just being really aware of what traps they're leading you into and what tricks that the examiner is using <laughs> absolutely okay so with the writing and um, now obviously um, we've been saying this uh, quite a lot, but obviously one of the best things, three three actions to take. Get feedback, plan your writing from the get-go, and know exactly what the task involves. So you basically need to be really analysing the question uh, yeah. and writing towards that question. And Daphne, could you tell us basically... Uh, what often distinguishes a band eight candidate from the sixes and the sevens? Well, I've got a great example for you now. Uh, there's an essay which uh, is uh, an essay that's on the course, actually, Ben, about dependency, people's dependency on the Internet and on mobile phones. And is this a good thing or a bad thing? So it looks like a very straightforward question. Um, but a number of students fall into the very uh, easy trap of kind of not really thinking about the question and not really understanding every word of the question before they start writing. Mm. So a lot of people write about how good the internet is and how important it is and how we all like it. But the key word for this essay is dependence on. And unless you're addressing that element of is the dependence, the fact that we rely on it the whole time, is that a good thing or not, then you will not be able to score a band seven or above, definitely not your band eight. You need to really understand every element of the question. So I think in terms of your preparation, uh, knowing what each task involves, um, that's a big thing for me, really understanding the question. Absolutely. And writing yeah. to that is, is very important. Absolutely. And I think another uh, area would be grammatical range and accuracy, especially the accuracy, because we know at band seven you should be using um, a lot of the conjunctions and of course your topic specific vocabulary and the conditionals but if you're going for a band eight you need to be using all of this as well but at, at an extremely um, high level of accuracy and also even more complex uh, grammar structures and even if you're if you're absolutely confident even possibly an idiomatic expression but that's a little bit risky. You need to be absolutely uh, certain and yeah. supremely confident that you're using it in the right context because I've seen a lot of essays where they've just basically pushed this idiomatic expression into the essay and it did not, it wasn't appropriate and it, it just sounded forced. It did not yeah. sound natural at all. I, I'm a bit cautious about that because often they're not very academic because mm-hmm. by their very nature, they're slightly more informal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you have to be quite careful on exactly. those. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You have to be very, very confident and also, um, yeah, uh, it has to be absolutely in context as well. So just take that very, very mm-hmm. carefully. Mm. Okay, then moving on to the 
speaking. Uh, how could a student uh, improve with, with their speaking? Uh, what te- what steps should they take? Well, I think this is really interesting to talk about this because a lot of students think, oh, yeah, it's fine, I can speak. That's, that's mm-hmm. absolutely no problem. But for me, one of the biggest things in speaking and with the feedback I'm doing with students at the moment on speaking is understanding the different levels almost that's needed in the exam mm-hmm. because in the part one uh, is obviously more informal um, the part two is your presentation the part three is much more academic in terms of content and the style that's needed um, so I think a big thing is to cut out the simple errors um, mm-hmm. you may as Ben said before you might be saying something you think is okay because no one corrects you um, but until that error is pointed out you may not be aware of it um, so cutting out simple errors, that's really important. Like, I'm going to do this. Um, mm. You shouldn't talk like that on an academic sort of exam. Um, it's too casual. Um, working on the more complex structures. So this is really useful in part three, where you might be using more speculative language. Mm. Um, and connected into that is using conditionals. So using them correctly and appropriate, appropriately can be really impressive. So just a little example here, answering the question, should all students pay for their university education? Rather than saying, no, it's not fair because students don't have money, and that would be okay on your band 6, 6.5. But an answer like, for example, definitely not. If they all had to pay, then many families would not be able to send their kids to university. Mm. Friends of mine wouldn't have gone if they'd had to pay for their studies. You're getting into a third conditional, which is a really good structure. And the examiner will be sitting up thinking, wow, this is very impressive. Absolutely. Yeah. A good, good point there. And uh, just two, two things I'd like to mention. Um, a good way to get to this sort of like higher level is not only get feedback, as we mentioned, and we've got the feedback service here at IELTS Podcast, but is uh, to put yourself in those situations where you are answering sort of like speculative questions and maybe even write out your answers beforehand so you can get used to extending them and to introducing the conditional or certain grammar structures into your writing. And the other thing that I found very helpful for improving my Spanish was to put myself in situations where I would have to be sort of like working in a team, for example, putting up a curtain in a flat with my friends who were all Spanish, and then that really pushes your use of the language because you're having to be very accurate, like, okay, lift up the right-hand side by about five centimeters and then take it 20 centimeters to the left. That's Mm. really challenging. And um, just having that confidence to be able to, and the accuracy with your language. So not only sort of like in everyday situations, but also uh, you want to be um, possibly even getting into slightly more challenging, not arguments, but debates with your friends. So if you could start softly challenging and pushing your friends (laughs) and you're getting into sort of like a situation where you're really forced to, Uh, explain a more complex argument or explain something or even teach something then you're going to be getting more used to using more accurate language more complex language and also as well depending on the topic you could use more speculative language also which would definitely help i really like that ben yeah it's a fantastic tip there yeah 
Okay, and then the final point, well, almost near the end, uh, we want to just talk about fluency. Um, so what phrases could a student use to help themselves uh, help them s help them sound help themselves sound more fluent <laughs> can't believe i stumbled on that <laughs> the irony <laughs> there's ben not sounding fluent at all okay um, <laughs> um, so this is really useful for me because i think a lot of the time on the speaking the the danger is that you're talking away but your talk is not very structured and trying to learn a set of phrases which you can use for different purposes during the three parts of the test will really push up your score this is the kind of thing that will take you from a seven to your band eight because you will your speaking will become more organized mm -hmm. so to express an opinion uh you could be saying something like well in my opinion or as far as i can see if you ask me i would say that or stronger i'm convinced that but so these little phrases take you into a nice grammatical structure and then obviously you'll be getting marks on grammar. Mm -hmm. So that's an opinion. Talking in general terms, you could say generally speaking, on the whole, to a large extent, and then carry on. Uh, ben, do you want to take over? Um yeah, I'll just want I just want to mention that as as Ephne says, these phrases um alone will not get you to a band eight. It's important that after using these phrases that you continue in a very accurate style, uh, in a very accurate fashion, and that you are answering the question and you are developing the question also, just like with the writing. That it's not just a case of um, sort of like using this phrase and then answering. It's a case uh, of giving your answer or giving your opinion but it's a case of sort of like developing the whole mm. answer um, in an accurate fashion and also naturally using more complex grammar structures. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. So more phrases that we could use are a case in pointers, take for example, or to tell a story. I remember one time, or I'll never forget the time, or to rephrase. Well, what I'm trying to say is, um, or to go back to the topic, if you do go off topic, um, this, I'll just go off topic now, <laughs> but <laughs> if this happens to you and you do find that you are sort of like veering away, don't carry on down that path. Just get back to the question and you can use the, uh, like a rescue phrase such as, right, to get back to what I was saying was, or now, where was I? Ah, yes, I was talking about uh, friendship uh, and childhood friends. And also another final point to make, another useful point, is to use structuring language and to use signposts. But, and we can use something like to begin with or firstly, secondly, but just be aware. It's very similar to, the, to your writing in that in order to give a coherent answer, you've got to be answering the question. It's got to be accurate, but you've got to really develop it. So a yeah. very useful term is uh, because. So why do you, th um, I think students should pay for their own university education because, develop it and give an example. 
Yeah, and another one to add to that one, my favourite, is although. So on the speaking part two, you could say, although I've never visited Canada before, it's top on my list because I've read so many fantastic reports about it or I've recently been watching a documentary. So it gets you into this lovely complex grammar and this is the kind of thing that you're going to be looking at for your band aid. Exactly, exactly. Okay then, um, final point. Um, if you do make a mistake, you can go back, but remember, um, speaking is a spontaneous activity, so it's not like writing where you can sort of like just erase what you said. <laughs> if you try and do this with your speaking, it often sounds um, more confusing. So the best the best way to do it is uh, just short and quick and just briefly correct uh, maybe a grammar point or a certain vocabulary error don't try and sort of like rewind and start the whole question again because that could be more confusing and that'll just make you panic as well so just absolutely. keep keep moving forward yeah absolutely exactly all right then uh, to practice well i've um i know students that write out the sample the qcad answers just to really jog their brain for vocabulary so they're not as cold on that topic um mm. i think as well getting feedback we've got the feedback service here where you can yeah. make a recording send it in to daphne and, she'll give and we're you doing some, some nice yeah, we're, ex we're expanding that as well because we're doing some nice work on uh, uh, part three with some students at the moment they find that very hard so i'm setting them some part three questions and then they're recording their answers to those and that's also useful to link back to the writing because a lot of the part three speaking questions could be lovely phrases for writing part two. Uh, it's the same sort of academic vocabulary and the same cool grammatical structures that we're talking about. But Abs that's really useful. Yeah, absolutely. And get into grips with the higher level grammatical structures, using them appropriately and accurately. That's what's going to get you the the band eight and both in the writing and in the speaking exactly. and one of the best ways to get confident with these is just to use them over and over again and get feedback as to when you're using them right uh, in correctly and when you're using them incorrectly yeah excellent okay so that's everything from us today if you are struggling with the exam um you can go to ieltspodcast.com sign up for a free a book with lots of IELTS materials that includes some sample essays. Also, when you sign up for that, you will be given um, special offers for getting feedback on your speaking or getting writing feedback. And also in the IELTS podcast app that we have, you can listen to the podcast and download the transcript and listen to them at the same time as well to improve your speaking and listening uh, your listening skills especially and obviously it's going to have an indirect effect on your speaking uh, and your writing as well so yeah and just remember you're not alone in this there's a lot of students who get frustrated get really fed up um, but you've got Daphne Ellen myself here we're all here to help you and every day we're helping students pass the exam we're getting thank you um, messages look on Trustpilot. we're getting some amazing reviews there and we're here to help you that's why we set up this whole organization so absolutely it's 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 a hard exam and it can feel lonely but you know we we really want to help you and this is our whole motivation so um yeah. exactly we're, exactly and this you're is not what, alone <laughs> exactly and this is what we do day in day out 
It's uh, just this is what we do. We're doing IELTS. We're not doing business English. We're not doing general English. We're not doing kid adolescent English for adolescents or English for uh, directors. It's IELTS day in day out. Okay, that's everything. So good luck with your exam, and don't forget if you're struggling, you can get in contact with them to help you. Exactly, go for it, everybody, and I'd love to see some band aids. So uh, happy to help you try and get there. IELTSpodcast.com